New Thought Media Network. We are a global broadcast network of positive music, media, and entertainment. Inspiring humanity's evolution along the journey of enlightenment and creating a world of love, peace, empowerment, and prosperity for all. New Thought Media Network. Positively inspiring. Live from a secure concrete bunker somewhere in Ohio, New Thought Media Network presents Pastor Michael Mangus with Friday's Fireside Chat, spiritual conversation for today. Here he is from the secret radio room, surrounded by thousands of watts, Pastor Michael Mangus. Well, greetings to one and all across the nation and around the world here on the New Thought Media Network. I am Pastor Michael Mangus. Welcome to the 23rd of October edition of the Friday Evening Fireside Chat. Good to have you along this evening. I'd like to remind you that this is an interactive program. So if you are on Facebook right now, if you go ahead and comment like down there, Somewhere. <laughs> you can comment. Diego will put your comment up on our screen there. Thank you to Diego running all the controls at the Master Studio in Colorado. Thank you so very much. The purpose of our weekly get-together here is to lovingly talk about contemporary issues from a spiritual new thought perspective. The topics I bring up are not meant to be controversial in and of themselves. They are to make us think, think a new thought. So the legal department here at New Thought Media Network would like me to remind you that the views and opinions expressed are those of my own and of my guest and are not those of New Thought Media Network, the Centers for Spiritual Living, or anyone else dead or alive. <laughs> like they say in the 12-step programs, take what you like and leave the rest. Hello there, Elmer from the Philippines. Good to see you. It is morning over there in the Philippines. Hello there. Good to see you this evening here on the Fireside Chat. Our special guest here in the second half of the program will be my longtime friend and colleague, the Reverend Rick Schumacher from the Unity Chapel of Light in Talmadge, Ohio. That's not that far away from me, right outside of Akron. COVID-19 continues to be in the news as several states are peaking in their infection and death rates including here in Ohio and also in Pennsylvania, from the Centers for Disease Control as of 12 noon today. The total number of infections are 8,387,047. The number of deaths here in the United States since March 1st has been 222,400 47. And the total number of new cases here in the last seven days, 428,795. The projections are by February, from what I have read, 400,000 could be dead from COVID 19. President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden did discuss, and they had a debate last night, really. <laughs> it wasn't so much of the fireworks as in the first debate, but it was interesting that President Trump went ahead and called what we're going through with COVID-19 the plague. I would say it's more of an epidemic than a plague. But they actually did talk about real issues last evening. 
what I'd like to read to you is parts of a report that was released by a team of scientists and also epidemiologists from Columbia University. This report was written by uh, Dr. Erwin Redlener, Jeffrey Sachs, Sean Hansen, and also Nathaniel Hubert. Dr. Redlener has the dubious nickname of Dr. Doom. Wouldn't you like to have that as a nickname? <laughs> Dr. Doom. But uh, Erwin Redletter has been one of the epidemiologists and one of the medical doctors that has been right about the epidemic, about what's been going on, about what we've been doing good, and also about how we have failed miserably. This is from their introduction. It says, this report looks at the staggering and disproportionate nature of the COVID-19 fatalities in the United States, which now ranks first in the world in the total number of fatalities to estimate how many deaths were avoidable with more than, well, again, I read the number this evening, 222,000, and a proportional moral, uh, mortality rate twice that of neighboring Canada and more than 50 times that of Japan, a country with a much older population than the United States, the U.S. has turned a global crisis into a devastating tragedy. Through comparative analysis, that's that scientific stuff, you know, crunching the numbers, and applying the proportional mortality rates. Are you sitting down for this? This team of doctors and scientists estimated that at least 130,000 and perhaps as many as 210,000 deaths could have been avoided with earlier policy interventions and a more robust federal coordination and leadership. The introduction goes on. It says, even with the dramatic recent appearance of the new COVID-19 waves globally, the abject failure of the United States government policy and crisis uh, messaging persists. The U.S. fatalities have remained disproportionately high throughout the pandemic when compared to even other high-mortality countries. The inability of the United States to mitigate the pandemic is especially stark when contrast with the response of high-income nations such as South Korea, Japan, Australia, Germany, France, and Canada, as well as low- and middle-income countries, as varied as Thailand, Pakistan, Honduras, and Malaysia. All of these nations have had greater success in protecting their populations from the impact of COVID-19. Given the United States' unique social and political realities, we recognize that it may have been particularly challenging to implement with the same caliber of response as South Korea and Japan, both of which maintain centralized unity governments. Nonetheless, the range of avoidable deaths outlined above stems from data illustrating how some of the best-performing nations have achieved much greater results in protecting their populations. So without going through all the other scientific jargon and data. It says, in why the rates are so high, the Columbia team wrote this. Inadequate, inadequate testing, a delayed response by the U.S. government, a lack of mask mandates and guidelines, and a leadership vacuum, and the failure of top officials to model best practices, like listening to the scientists. 
the people who spend their lives studying all this stuff. As I have said since March, this is not a political issue. This is a health and safety issue. The Columbia team's conclusions were this. It says, by contrasting the U.S. proportional mortality rate with that of six other high-income countries, this report highlights the stark reality that the United States continued mismanagement of the pandemic response. It is in the inability or unwillingness of U.S. officials to adopt or improve the federal response over the course of the pandemic that has strongly contributed to the nation's uniquely high COVID-19 fatality rate. The U.S. should have and could have done better to protect the nation, and particularly in its most vulnerable populations from a threat that was identified and recognized early in 2020. The failure of the federal government is to create a rigorous national strategy for testing and contract contact tracing, be the coordinated data collection and coordination among U.S. states, or C, the recognizing the scientific validity of non-pharmaceutical interventions like face coverings and social distancing. Our comparative analysis estimate that between 130 and 210,000 American deaths to date could have been avoided. I'll just go to the bottom here. It says the cases of South Korea, Japan, Australia, Canada, Germany, and France demonstrate that the scope of the crisis and suffering did not need to reach the levels seen in the U.S. All you need to do is to Google Columbia Report COVID-19, and you'll get to read this wonderfully written 13 pages of some of the top scientists and experts in this country. So hopefully we'll learn from this, all of us. So again, we, all of us, need to take this seriously, but not be in fear. So again, wash your hands, wear a mask, social distance. In groups, wear a mask. This is an airborne disease, so take precautions both indoors and outdoors. And know with me daily that this will go back into the nothingness from where it came from. However, we cannot let our guard down about this. And this is not just for us. This is for our family, and this is for our friends, and this is for everyone that we love. New Thought Centers are opening with precautions. And again, please, just follow the guidelines. Just follow the guidelines. If you're wondering what you stumbled onto this evening, well, hello there. This is the Friday evening fireside chat here on the New Thought Media Network. I am Pastor Michael Mangus. As we continue going through the news this evening, Coming up in around 15 minutes, we'll have a very special guest in the Reverend Richard A. Schumacher, a.k.a. Rick Schumacher, my longtime friend and colleague from the Unity Chapel of Light in Talmadge, Ohio. Also in the news this week, early voting. This is from Vox.com, early voting in 2020 has already exceeded all, all, I'll say that again, all of the 2016 early votes. More than 51 million people have already voted early in 2020, surpassing 2016's overall early vote total. 
The U.S. early voting total in 2020 has already exceeded the number of early vote cast in 2016. And guess what? There's still 11 days to go until Election Day. More than 51 million people have voted early, either by person or by mail, as of Friday morning, according to the U.S. Elections Project. This means that at least 4 million more people have voted early so far this year compared to all the early voting in 2016. And the early vote totals in Texas, 6.4 million, North Carolina, 2.7, and California, 5.8 million votes already exceeded the total number of people who have voted for Donald Trump in those same states in 2016. So far in 2020, the country has already cast 37% of the total votes counted in the 2016 general election. The numbers are unprecedented, though may not be surprising. There has been an expected increase. This is from the article from Vox.com. There has been an expected increase in the number of votes planning to cast their ballots by mail because of the COVID-19 concerns, as well as greater access to both mail and early in-person voting this year. Still, the numbers are a sign, though an incomplete one, that voter turnout may be on a pace to be the highest in a century. McDonald of the U.S. Elections Project have previously predicted the turnout to be around 65% of the voting-eligible population or around 150 million votes. Turnout in the 2016 election was around 60% or around 137 million people. 538.com is projecting a turnout of around 154 million people. That's based upon uh, polls of voter enthusiasm. Wow. So you must be listening to me <laughs> or somebody, please. Again, we, I talk to all kinds of people from all kinds of political persuasions. And I'm telling all of them, just go vote. Just go vote. Be empowered and go vote. Like we said in previous weeks, do not let anyone intimidate you from not voting. From what I have the information I've received from the news and also other sources. The early voting has been extremely peaceful. And there has been no intimidation of voters that I know of. Just go vote. Just go vote. Just go vote. If you want to wait till election day, that's fine. But it is suggested to vote in person or by mail. One of the things I'm, and the reason I'm telling you this is because I've worked elections as an election official, is to check to see if your registration is up to date. In most places, again, as I scan the internet and the broadcasts of the cable news channels, there have been very few glitches. Yes, there have been some in the mailing, but again, it's going pretty well. We have over 50 million votes in. So know and pray with me for peace and justice and divine harmony in this country. It may be an interesting two weeks here, and I'm just asking everyone again just to be at peace inside no matter what is going on outside, 
Again, just be at peace inside. Know with me, again, peace and harmony for our whole country. In religion news this week, Pope Francis endorses civil union laws for same-sex couples. A Catholic Pope. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? This is from CNN. Pope Francis has declared support for civil unions for same-sex couples for the first time, according to the Catholic News Agency. The Pope made the historic remarks in Francesco, which is a new documentary film that premiered at the Rome Film Festival on Wednesday. Homosexual people have a right to be in a family. They're children of God and have a right to a family. No one should be thrown out or be made miserable over it, the Pope said in the film, the Catholic News Agency reported. What we have to create is a civil union law. That way they are legally covered, said the Pope. The film also explored the Pope's works and also views on other issues, including climate change, migration, and economic equality. According to the film's website, it is set to premiere in North America on Sunday during the SCAD Savannah Film Festival. Pope Francis has suggested in past interviews that He is not against civil unions, but this is the first time as Pope that he has directly come out in favor of them. As Archbishop of Buenos Aires, Francis advocated for same-sex civil unions as an alternative when Argentina was discussing whether to legalize same-sex marriage. Francis' comments differ from his predecessor, Benedict XVI, who made the news when he labeled homosexuality an intrinsic moral evil. Jesuit Father James Martin was advocated for the church to welcome LGBTQ people, said that the bishops from many countries, including some in the United States and Poland, are violently against civil unions, will have to rethink their positions. He's creating a new space for LGBT people. He is saying it on the record, and he's being very clear. It is not simply that he is tolerating it, he is supporting it, Martin told CNN on Wednesday. So there has been backlash, though, In the U.S., Bishop Thomas Tobin of Providence, Rhode Island, has asked for more clarification, saying that Francis's comments contradict the church's teaching on same-sex unions. The church cannot support the acceptance of objectively immoral relationships, Thomas said in a statement. Individuals with same-sex attraction are beloved children of God and must have their personal human rights and civil rights recognized and protected by law. However, this is where the big butt comes in. (laughs) Everything before this really doesn't count, but that's what they taught me in counseling. But anyhow, it says, however, the legislation of their civil unions, which seeks to uh, simulate holy matrimony, is not admissible. The director of public policy for the Archdiocese of New York describes the Pope's comments as a serious mistake that can lead to a lot of confusion. In this case, I think that we have to recognize that the Holy Father has plainly erred. You're a a lay person telling Pope Francis that he's an heir? I think he knows a little more theology than you do. But anyhow, in this case, I think we have to recognize that the Holy Father is plainly erred. Catholics cannot promote 
the legalization of same-sex unions, but we also have to be clear that he isn't changing the teachings of the church on homosexuality or same-sex unions in any ways. There's also been several U.S. bishops and cardinals issuing statements saying that the Pope is speaking for himself and not the Catholic Church at large, which still has in its canon law that homosexuality is a sin. We in New Thought support our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. We have thousands of couples that attend our churches and centers. And yes, I proudly perform same-sex weddings when requested. And in some cases, I've had to help people find other churches. See, it's okay for two men to be living together. But once they get married, that puts them in jeopardy with church authorities. So then, (laughs) being the good pastor, I've had to look around for other churches besides ours to give them a a good list of options. However, it shouldn't be that way. We need to grow up in our theology. And my prayers are with my Catholic family and friends. May their view be expanded to see the divinity in all of God's children. When I talk to my gay and lesbian friends, I ask them, when did you know that you were attracted to the same sex? And I don't recall one person saying to me, later in life. What they told me was it was usually before they hit the age of 13. Now, that, again, that's, that's just my experience with it. But it's not a choice. It is something that, again, is inbred in people. So as we have grown up our psychology, our psychiatry, let's grow up our theology now too. All right? Well, if you're wondering what you stumbled onto, welcome. (laughs) This is the Friday Evening Fireside Chat here on the New Thought Media Network. I am Pastor Michael Mangus. Before we have our guest come on, we have some announcements here. For those of you who are interested, I am parking myself right now on Sundays at Summit CSL. For more information, please go to the summitcsl.org website. There you can get all the information about our wonderful weekly Sunday service, which is at 10.30 a.m. Eastern and 7.30 a.m. Pacific time. Yes, people do get up that early, (laughs) especially my West Coast friends. Go get your cup of coffee. Go get your cup of herbal tea or espresso and come and join us. We have people from across the nation and around the world join us on our Zoom broadcast. But again, all the information is on our website all the passwords, and also the invitation to join us on Zoom. So please join us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. We also rebroadcasted on our Facebook page, which is Summit Spiritual Center of Akron. Summit Spiritual Center of Akron. Our monthly focus for October is on manifestation. And yours truly will be 
teaching on making a mental equivalent. And I'm not sure if our guest is going to recognize this name. It's a booklet written by this guy by the name of Dr. Emmett Fox. We'll have to check with Rick here. (laughs) I think I got it from him, the booklet. So yours truly is also available for individual practitioner sessions, guest speaking, and also wedding ceremonies. Please contact me at pastormichaelmangus at gmail.com, pastormichaelmangus at gmail.com. If you could this week, just send me an email just saying that you're watching, that you really appreciate the program, or you don't. Just send me an email this week. I would really appreciate that. Pastor Michael Mangus at gmail.com. Lots of things happening on the New Thought Media Network. I received the newsletter today from Reverend Robert, our chief inspirational officer. Just to let you know that on November the 20th, we are going to have a very special six-hour broadcast for a program that we're calling Launch 2021. What we are doing is we are assembling together the money and the budget for us to operate in the new year. It's going to have musical guests. I'll even be on the program as well as other hosts here on the New Thought Media Network. So again, we will be here that evening in some form or another around 8 Eastern. But we have all kinds of really wonderful partner gifts for you at different levels. We have face masks, we have coffee cups, we have all kinds of stuff, even For $1,000, Reverend Robert and his lovely wife, Laura, will host you in a very special dinner at their home in Colorado for $1,000. Everyone can participate in this. If you're watching this, please consider watching Launch 2021. And we'll have more information about that next week. We have all kinds of stuff here happening here at the New Thought Media Network. We have Morning Visioning on Monday. Laura Topper. Let's see if Diego has the slide up. I don't see it. Oh, there she is. The beautiful Laura Topper, live from the UK. That is on Mondays. Her show is called Cosmic Prayer. On Tuesdays, we have New Thought Today with Reverend Z and also Reverend Robert. Every day, we have morning prayers at 8.15 a.m. That's Mountain Time. We have a midweek meditation with Reverend Robert at 7 a.m. Isn't that wonderful? Also, ministers talking. (laughs) I can't say that. I'm under federal communication rules. (laughs) But that's a wonderful podcast. If you've never uh, listened to uh, Reverend Robert and Reverend Z talk, great, great discussion. A collective meditation for peace, Heart of Peace Meditation at 9 a.m. Mountain Time on Fridays. Also, the fireside chat on Fridays. Just to let you know here that on Election Day, November the 3rd, we are going to have an Elevate the Vote group meditation on Tuesdays, November 3rd at times that are listed on our New Thought Media Radio and Media Facebook page, New Thought Radio and Media Facebook page. So let's join our consciousness. 
Let's know the truth for our nation as we participate in a very, very important election. Our guest this evening has been a friend for a long time. I'll have him tell you the how he had to spend $90 back in 1983 to meet me. Reverend Richard A. Schumacher is an ordained unity minister, and he's a nationally recognized speaker, trainer, and writer. His writings have appeared in all kinds of newspapers, including articles in Unity Magazine, Daily Word, and Journey Magazine. He has done all kinds of print and also TV and radio. His 2012 book, American Transcendentalism, The Roots of New Thought Christianity, now out of print, is still available on Kindle. American Transcendentalism, The Roots of New Thought Christianity, available on Kindle. Rick has written over the years for Unity Magazine and Daily Word. Rick is an adjunct professor at Youngstown State University in Youngstown, where he has taught religious studies, American identity, and also human geography. As a consultant, he has worked with Unity and Religious Science Churches on organizational development issues, including strategic planning board and key leadership development, and also conflict as a source of growth. Rick has his bachelor's degree in religious studies with a concentration in archaeology, Islam, and also Judaic studies. Rick, now you're going to have to help me on my <laughs> on my uh, Kabbalah class here. Okay. Okay, you'll have to get out the books here. Uh, he also holds a master's degree in English and also American studies and a graduate certificate in working class studies. He currently serves proudly as a senior minister of the Unity Chapel of Light in Talmadge, Ohio. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Friday evening fireside chat, my longtime friend, Reverend Rick Schumacher. How you doing, my friend? Absolutely magnificent. It is good to be with you, my friend. My goodness, what a delight! Well, um, we—he uh, is in his office, by the way, which I think he lives in more than at home. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rick, do you have the cot there? It's down the hall. Oh, it's down the hall. You mean you mean they gave you a room? Sure, sure. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen that ministerial contract. That would have been wonderful. <laughs> so, Rick, you and I have known each other for a long time. So how long have you been a new thought? And what led you into doing something as crazy as new thought ministry? Well, the, the interesting story is I'm a third-generation student of these ideas, my grandmother brought us to the, the Unity Church as a family years and years ago. And so this was very natural to me. It was a strange decision, one that I put off for a long time, because this is not particularly a job that you, that you sign up for. Uh, you're signed up. You have, to, you have to decide that you're going to accept what's being presented. And once you do that, then it then it stops being a job. Then it's a joy. It's not, a, I don't go to work in the morning. I go to a joyous experience. And it doesn't end at five o'clock. This is a way of living for me. And I've been doing this for now about 40 years. And I can't envision not doing this in some fashion or another. So uh, I'm delighted to follow in the footsteps. My own brother was a was a unity minister as well. So I remember, yeah, we've been part of this this kind of new thought stuff forever, forever. So, and I was talking with Rick beforehand about how here in the Midwest, how we <laughs> how we train leaders in new thought churches. We uh, the what you what sometimes has happened, what happened in Rick's case and my case is we we just went ahead and started serving at churches and, <laughs> and then let the denominations then come knocking at our door saying, Excuse me, you need to be ordained or you need to be trained. So that's what that's what we both had to do. And it's a process that works really well. In fact, in many cases, better than 
a more traditional training program. It's, it's, you're in the field doing the work every day. And at the same time, you're embracing a, a greater depth of these ideas and called to practice them on a daily basis. I think it's the best way to go. Well, I still have some convincing to do <laughs> at Centers for Spiritual Living. They still don't have a field program, but we're going to work on that here. Um, so you've uh, started a limited attendance Sunday service. Yeah. How is that going, and how are your people doing through all of this? Well, good. One of the first things that we did when we got into this shutdown space there was a deep realization of our connectedness to one another and the desire to be together. So we're very fortunate here at the Unity Chapel of Light to have 20 acres of land um, and a lovely patio outside of the building. So we took church outside and we did it on Sunday nights at 7 p.m. And so we were there in, in the outside with the birds chirping and the crickets and the, you know, it was a fabulous experience. And we watched the sun go down together and we prayed and we sang in that kind of safety. As we got into the first Sunday of October, we realized that the sun would be setting before we could actually start outside. So we moved inside, uh, sanitizing the building, masks and social distancing, as well as uh, a, a deep commitment to being safe for each other. The beauty of that is we're back together face to face. Previous to that, we had some exciting things going on. We were we continued to provide a, a Sunday service that was pre-recorded and and then we live streamed the pre-recorded piece, and we had a group of people, a group of women primarily, who took it upon themselves to say we are not going to let this keep us from being connected, and they built a a, a method by using a, a, a membership directory of staying in touch and calling people. In fact, I'm in the directory, and so how delighted I was when I got my call from a member of the congregation that said, hey, Rick, how are you? You know we're thinking about you, and we're calling everybody in this congregation. You know, can we pray with you? They did a fabulous job, and they continue to stay in touch with one another this way. Oh, that's just, that's that's just great, Pastor O'Carroll. Well, how, how wonderful, and how wonderful it is that, again, that a, a group of people, especially women, went ahead and they took it upon themselves rather than say, well, Rick, you do it, or the church secretary. They took it upon themselves to go ahead and to call people. That's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. It, it really served all of us well. And then they took this list that they had. There were a number of women who were making calls, and they would take a page out of the directory, and, and so Mary would call everybody on that page. And then next week, Susie would take that page. So you heard from different people all the time, and we really were able to keep our connection to one another. I'm so grateful to serve a community that is that proactive. So. How wonderful that is. So we've all have had to do service ministry different. So what are some things that you think are going to come out of this experience? And especially, I would say one to three years down the road, we don't know when this is going to go away. So how do we see us coming out of this as far as New Thought Centers? Um, are we going to have hybrid services where we do uh, some online and then some in person? Uh, one of the things I was thinking about is, do we need large buildings anymore? 
if we're going to do that? Uh, are we going to need more of a studio space than that? So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's, I think the answer to the question is both. What we're doing here is we recognize that we have seating capacity of about uh, 225 or something like that. If we're going to social distance it, distance, that means we're not going to put more than 50 people in this building at a time. So that means if we're going to be together as a community, then we're going to start having multiple services through the week. We might have a Sunday morning service, a Saturday night service, a Wednesday night service, and they may be identical, as identical as they could be with different people in the room. So I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is, and I think I may be the not the first, but one of the few people who will say COVID-19 is a blessing. And the blessing in it is this. It has become a magnifying glass. And as such, it's magnifying all of the difficulties that we have as a culture, all the difficulties that we have as New Thought denominations, and it magnifies the good stuff that we're doing too. And it's calling us to truly focus on those things that we can do well and will take us into the next evolution of what we are. Now, from our own perspective, one of the things that we have done is we've set up a studio. We now have a recording studio here um, in the building. It's green screen equipped, which I've had some fun with. Um, I have come to, when we were recording our service, uh, I've come to the congregation from all kinds of places. I put an image of Unity Village behind me. On one occasion, we have a beautiful gazebo here on the grounds. On one occasion, everybody thought I was standing in the gazebo, and in fact, I was actually in the studio. So we're beginning to, to, to do these kinds of things in new and exciting ways. In the days to come, we will begin recording fabulous material. Beginning on Thanksgiving Day, I will be presenting um, a Christmas fable that I've written. And I've written these every year for many years. And so we're now recording these. And every Thursday night uh, at from uh, Thanksgiving Day through Christmas Eve, there'll be a different fable. These will be available online. Uh, and we believe we're in the final stages of a dedicated Roku channel so that we can take this message that is so important to the world, to the world. So on Thanksgiving evening, rather than a service this year, we'll be doing a concert. Um, we'll probably have 50 people in the building and we'll live stream it. I have um, an internationally acclaimed harpist who will be here. We wouldn't be doing these things because we wouldn't have been forced out of our comfort zone were it not for this COVID-19. And I think that that's why, again, and I look at it as a blessing too, Rick. I think that uh, we're being shoved out of the buildings and saying, listen, we need to be the church. We need to be, we need to be the people of love and we need to be taking this to a lot more people than just the people that we can attract to our building. So by sure. kind of kicking us out of the building, <laughs> so not so now we're having to reassemble and we're having to go ahead and to uh to again to do church, to do the center stuff a little differently. And again, I think that it really is a part of the movement that I really think that we really all needed. Um, you know, we talk about the new thought movement, but again, in the past few years, I haven't personally haven't seen much, but we are, again, what I see is with channels like what we're doing here on new thought media network and what you're doing. I think that again, we're, we're starting to see the movement again. And I think that that's, Absolutely wonderful. We have a couple more minutes here. Again, you've been around this a long time here, Rick. So 
what are we doing right as New Thought denominations? What are we doing right? And what can we improve on here? In terms of what we can improve on, we live in this information age where people have instant access to all kinds of material. We have been successful because we have a core set of teachings, some very basic ideas that we have learned to practice. And in practicing those, we've been able to prove the truth. And I believe that we need to, at times like this, go back to basics and begin to practice those basic principles that are so dear to us and have built everything that has gone before us, that has put us in this place. New thought is not new. <laughs> you know, we, you mentioned my, my book on transcendentalism and new thought Christianity. These aren't new ideas. It's a new look at them. There's no doubt about that. And I think the world is crying out for them. They're waiting. We're the ones we've been waiting for. It's time for us to step up and proudly say who we are and be it. Be it in the world. And when people see it in us, they'll begin to want it. And they'll ask us, why are you so happy? How is it that you never seem to be upset? What is it that you got going on? What's your secret? And we'll tell them what the secret is because it's no secret. It's, it's ancient wisdom that we have learned to work with and to manifest in our lives. There are a great number of people who are doing our work sometimes better than we do. And I hope that we can find a, a time and a place where we can begin to practice these principles in community. You ask about buildings. I think we're going to need buildings because we need community. We need to, to pray with one another and take each other by the hand. And we can't do that very well. Right now, you know, what we got to do is wash those praise hands. But we need to be together. When we did our first outdoor service, we had 80 people show up outside at 7 o'clock at night. Blew my mind. They want what we have to offer. So I wholeheartedly believe that, that we can do this. You ask about the days to come, and I believe that come January and February, I know January and February, we're going to begin building uh, online interactive classes with, frankly, a nationwide group of, of speakers and teachers. So I hope to, I'd like to think that we're on the cutting edge of this, and the secret is to, to not get cut. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think, no, and I, Rick, I didn't want to tell you this, but the other ministers on TV, what they do is they go ahead and they watch your program on Sundays to get sermon topics and ideas. I didn't want to tell you that. You just, you want a quick true story? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. My, fam I get, I, my family's been involved with these ideas all, their, all, the, all, all our lives. My dad grew up Catholic when he married my mother he became a part of the Unity Church. Now, we, when he was a teenager, um, he left. The, he left the church. It's just one of those things that teenagers sometimes do. So my dad goes out to play golf, and he goes to beautiful Good Park, the public course right here on Nome Avenue in Akron. And he gets there, and he's he doesn't have a foursome to play with. He just figured he'd pick up somebody to play with, and lo and behold, he picks up the priest from his Catholic church when he was a kid. <laughs> he looks at me, he says, he says, my dad's name was, was Al. He says, Al, where have you been? You haven't been in church for years. I haven't seen you. And my dad said, well, I married this wonderful woman and I'm now attending the Unity Church. And I, you know, I'm the Sunday school superintendent. I'm working with the kids. 
And the priest says, well, don't tell anybody. And Mike, this is a true story. I swear to you. The priest said to him, don't tell anybody. But every week I take my homily out of the publication Weekly Unity. <laughs> so you're not far off. It's been going on for years. <laughs> and, and I will admit to you that I am, I am more than willing to use something beautiful and wonderful that another minister said. And most of the time I try to give him credit. Sometimes I forget. That's that's uh, that's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, great story. Um, so uh, just one more question here, and then we're going to have to go here, Rick. First of all, uh, this hour has flown by. So thank you for being on here. So with all the chaos going around us, so what have you been personally praying about? And what have others, what have they asked you to pray about for them? Let me, great, perfect question. Great way to end. And um I'm going to ask you a question. And I did this deliberately. How do you like my yellow shirt? Huh? I think your yellow shirt is just right. fine. Yes, it's very, very nice. On the Probably first, haven't picked it out. Yeah. Okay. okay. On the first Sunday of this month, when we came back into the sanctuary, I had yellow ribbons around the building. I had beautiful yellow flowers. I even found yellow pumpkins this year. And what I did, and I'm going to ask you to ask your viewers to join me in this, is every time you see the color yellow, I want you to turn your thought to the truth. The truth is that there's nothing in the world that is greater than the spirit of truth within us. There's nothing, no condition, no circumstance that cannot be overcome that healing is our divine right, that wisdom and good judgment guides us as we walk through this really crazy time. So every time you see yellow, you turn your attention to that thought. It's everywhere. They're in taxi cabs. They're in the yellow notebooks on your desk. They're, they're in the, the little post-it post notes. notes. Yeah. There, there are pens. Every it's, yellow is everywhere. If you can't see it anywhere else, all you have to do is see that beautiful ball, that shining, that sunlight, the highlighters that we use. Every one of those, every time you see the color yellow, it's a call to prayer. It's a call to prayer. That's that's absolutely wonderful. Rick Schumacher, thank you so very much for being on the program this evening. Let's do this again soon here. I'd be we'd, we'd love to have you back here. Uh, again, if you'd like more information about Rick's ministry, it's uh, unitychapelloflight.org. Uh, there you can go ahead and uh, take a look at their wonderful Sunday service. And also, they I'll tell you what, the music ministry at Unity Chapel of Light has always been outstanding. And so you, you will get uh, uh, their, their, their service is absolutely wonderful. So make sure you go on the website on unitychapellight.org. Yes, Rick. Yeah, a final thought. If you do go to the website, a video will start. When you go on to the when you when you log on to the site, a, a video will start automatically. It's called Dear Neighbor. This is part of this studio work and this video development work that we're doing. It's 79 seconds long. And I promise you, it'll change your life. 79 seconds. 79 can, seconds. Can you spare that? I, th I, think, I think we can. Rick Schumacher, big hug. Thank you, my brother. Love you. Thank you. And thanks for being on the program this evening. You betcha. Anytime. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Boy, boy, time flies when you're having fun. Like to remind you again, if you'd like more information about yours truly, uh, if you just go ahead and just write me, uh, Pastor Michael Mangus at gmail.com. All kinds of uh, good things coming up here on the New Thought Media Network. Again, if you have not signed up for the newsletter, please take a look at the different offerings that we have. And there should be a tab there that Reverend Robert put on for you to go on to sign up for the newsletter. We are doing 
all kinds of wonderful programming, especially into, now Rick mentioned about the holiday season, into the holiday season. Uh, we will have a special day of prayer on voting day also. So let's join our consciousness together. Let's join together and let's know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, that spirit is in control of all of this. And I know it seems like chaos, but again, even in the chaos, that there is an implicit order. So we're calling forth the order out of the chaos. All right. Good to, again, thank you to Diego for all of his uh, hard work back there at Master Control. Thank you, Jay Silvers, for doing our announcements. And thank you to everyone out there for uh, tuning in this evening. Again, replays of the show is on, or will be on, the New Thought Radio and Media Network Facebook page. All right? So from all of us to all of you, this is Pastor Michael Mangus. Have yourself a wonderful week. Thanks for joining us this evening for Friday's Fireside Chat with Pastor Michael Mangus. Join us again next week at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain for more spiritual conversations for today. For more information and replays of past shows, please visit the New Thought Radio and Media Network's Facebook page. Until next week, may God bless you richly and abundantly.